Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Lily Allen Duenas. Together, we'll talk about the world of yoga and we'll talk to people from around the world. Before diving into the episode, I wanted to invite you to head on over to my Patreon account. I would love your support and I'm thrilled to have this beautiful community space where we can do yoga together, meditate together, and you'll get access to exclusive content. Get ready for some private Zoom Q&As, free printable art, meditation recordings, and more. Follow the link in the show notes to get started or head on over to any of my social media channels or my website, wildyogatribe.com to hang out, get to know each other better and find out more about all the support and resources available to you. Ready to dive in? Let's get started. Namaste family and welcome back to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. Today I'm so excited to welcome Sula Atakul onto the show today. She's a yoga teacher from Cyprus and she has actually had a career as a lawyer until she realized that she just wanted something else. She fell in love with yoga and Pilates and now she has so many certifications in yoga, prenatal, aerial, restorative, as well as in bar and Pilates. So I'm excited to talk to her more about how she aims to increase flexibility and mobility while decreasing emotional and physical discomfort through movement. So thank you so much, Sila, for being on the show today with me. Hi, Lily. I'm so excited to be a guest on the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast, and thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And so to get started, how about you share your story with us? How did yoga first come into your life? How did yoga find you? When I was a teenager, my father was practicing yoga and he would always tell me that I should definitely try yoga. It's going to feel so good. He's releasing all of his stress when he practices. And as a teenager, I think this is like everyone when I say this, most of us, we find you know, what our parents do, quite lame. So I thought, oh, yoga must be really lame. (laughs) So I never wanted to try it. When I was in university, I was going to this Pilates studio where there was also yoga. And one of my friends, she really insisted that we should try it. So I said, okay, I'm going to come with you for three classes until you get used to it. And then I will never come. And I went, I think for three years without a break. And she was the one coming for three classes and never came with me. (laughs) So I fell in love with yoga as soon as I started trying it. I was so surprised to find so much movement and discovering the abilities of my body. It took me by surprise. I didn't expect it to be so nice. And from that point on, I think it's been 12 years now that I have been practicing. And it's one of those things that I can never imagine being out of my life. Oh, that's amazing. And I love that story of how your dad was practicing it ever since you were little and you were like, no way, that's lame. I'm not interested. (laughs) Yeah. I kept saying that, oh, spiritual stuff, not me. (laughs) I want active stuff in my life. (laughs) Yeah. And were you watching him practice ever? Was he practicing at home or did he take you to studios? No. He was going to the studios and he was actually leading classes at the beach when their teacher was away on holidays during the summers. 
but I would never accept to join or I would never accept to try because I thought it was probably something very boring because I didn't understand what yoga was about at all until I actually tried it for myself. That's such a common thread that people don't have any idea what yoga is or they have a misconception about it. Like it's just exercise or it's just stretching. It's so easy or I can't do it. I'm not flexible. Like all of these misconceptions just seem to fly out of the mind and out of your perception once you actually try yoga. Do you have students that you work with? Yeah. I just would love to hear your perspective on that. (laughs) Yeah, I do have some students who have been skeptical about yoga, who came in the class with other friends and they were like, no, I don't like slow stuff. I don't think I want to stretch. And then after trying it for the first time, they were also just like me, (laughs) mind blown. And they were like, so this is yoga. I never imagined yoga to be so nice. Yeah, absolutely. And so walk us through your journey of how you decided that you wanted to be a yoga teacher and your trainings are what kind of shifted in you because I know you were working as a lawyer. So what happened? To be honest with you, I knew from the beginning that law wasn't the career for me. I was a good student, so I studied law and I actually was very successful in university throughout my studies. But when I first started practicing the actual profession as an intern lawyer, I realized it really wasn't for me. And I didn't really know in the beginning why it wasn't so much for me. But looking at it now, the entire environment, you know, the way people interact with each other in law offices, between clients and lawyers, between lawyers and other lawyers, in the courthouse. It's all a very negative environment, especially in the country I was practicing in North Cyprus. I think that has been one of the biggest reasons, followed by the fact that I like to move my body. As a person who likes to practice yoga, stretch, It was torture for my body to sit for such long hours every day in front of a computer, in front of a desk. So I wasn't enjoying it and I was working very long hours. So I needed to wake up really early in the morning to go for my practice. Or when I was an intern, I actually convinced my 70-year-old boss to (laughs) join me in yoga so we would get off one day of the week early. (laughs) And so I could go to the studio. And catch a class. So I think it was a very natural thing. I started, first I I started teaching Pilates. That was the first teacher training I did. And from there on, I slowly started to realize that this is the path that I want to go to. So I quit my job. I took a yoga teacher training that was in 2015. And after I graduated my teacher training, I felt like my practice wasn't strong enough. My practice wasn't good enough to start teaching other people. And I think it's a very common thing among yoga teachers that we feel these insecurities, this sort of imposter syndrome. So for the first few months, I couldn't get in front of people to teach. I was so shy. I wanted to look like the people on Instagram. I wanted to be able to do splits or handstands or whatever before I was going to teach other people. So when my Pilates students insisted and I started teaching yoga to them, I realized that there were people who wanted to learn from me because 
what I knew about yoga at the time, they didn't know it yet. So they wanted to learn. And this is how I started teaching. This is how I found my confidence in teaching, realizing that there are a lot of people who are not as flexible as I am, who doesn't know the yoga philosophy as I do. And there are people who want to learn from me. I think that it's an important lesson that I want to share with other teachers. If there are any new yoga teachers listening to us, go and teach. There are people who want to learn from you. I love that so much because there is so much fear around being a yoga teacher. I think you always have that imposter syndrome. How could I teach? There's so many people who are more flexible or better or have studied longer and they're is room for everybody. And there's so many, there's so many people out there who need to hear what you as a teacher have to share. Exactly. That's the point. I think that we all have something from our personal background to contribute into the way we're teaching. And there are going to be so many people who will resonate with that. And we all come to yoga for different reasons. And there are other people who are going to come to yoga for the same reasons we came to yoga for. And those are the people that we are going to serve somehow, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Absolutely, it does. Yes. And so I know too, though, that you did go through a traumatic car accident as well. And I'm curious about how that car accident and that injury played a role in your journey in coming to yoga. Yes, I have been in a car accident in 2016 while I was already teaching yoga and Pilates as a full-time profession. I was just standing on the beach. There was one car towing the other car and I wasn't even close to the vehicles. And the towing bar came out of the car in the front and it just flew in the air and landed on my leg. If it just landed one centimeter deeper, it went, I think, six or seven centimeters deep. If it went only a few millimeters deeper, I would have probably either bleed out until the ambulance arrived or lose my leg. And of course... I'm very grateful for the person who gave me first aid over there because he knew what he was doing. And part of the reason I didn't lose my leg is because of him. And also for the entire experience, because it made me really be able to resonate with the students who are just beginning practicing yoga or beginning any sort of movement journey for the first time in their lives. I was bedbound for about a week and after that I wasn't allowed to step on my leg for a few more weeks and in the beginning when I was allowed to finally start moving when I would lie down on my belly and I would try to lift my right leg up it wouldn't move I would ask the person the physiotherapist or the doctor I would be asking so is it lifting and they would say no try again and even the smallest of movements, the things we did in the physiotherapy, it worked so quickly. In about two weeks, I was able to start slowly moving my leg again, start slowly walking again. And it gave me this insight that whoever comes to yoga or whoever comes to any sort of exercise, our bodies are like sponges and we can teach our bodies to do anything no matter what traumatic thing the body has experienced, it still learns. So this is what 
I experienced and I always share this with my students when they feel discouraged. When someone is trying to stretch their hamstring and it's taking too long and they're feeling discouraged, I say, this is my experience. I have been in a car accident. I couldn't even move my leg. And being patient and consistent in my practice, I was able to start moving again. I also really sympathize with the frustration of not being able to do something you want to do. So it has been an experience on so many different levels, of course, the gratitude of being able to do everything for myself, even the smallest things like getting up and washing your hands when you're not able to do it for a long time, you realize how important it is, or getting up and getting yourself a glass of water, all of that aspect, but also it gave me so much insight on how a beginner feels like, again, (laughs) even though it's been a long time I was a beginner. Oh, it's so humbling. Whenever we have any type of hindrance or physical issue, whether it's just having a flu for a week, not being able to walk up and down stairs, or as you said, even get a glass of water, it just offers you that huge humbling perspective of gratitude when things are going well. And it's so easy when we're healthy and feeling great, and we're just walking around doing our thing to forget how incredible it is that we get to move this body. Yes, and how vulnerable our physical body is. Yes, and that's interesting you bring that up because there's some yoga teachers out there on Instagram, out there in the world who I know really push their physical body to the absolute limits. Like they're really push-push into certain asanas or into certain shapes. And I feel like the stage I'm at in my yoga journey is less about having that ego-driven, I need to reach a pose, and more of having that body honoring, I do want to challenge myself, but I do not want to do anything that could break myself. How are you feeling right these days when it comes to things like that? I think you said the key words there, being in a place in your practice. I think that's a place in a person's practice most of the time in the beginning, In the first few years, you perceive yoga as something physical and you set goals and you want to reach them. And it is for some people, asana itself, it is the tool to achieve. You're trying to achieve through yoga the relaxation, the quieting of the mind, the discipline and everything. But as you progress in your studies in yoga or as you progress in your practice, I think we all develop more body consciousness. And we all develop this sense that asana itself is not the only part of our practice. And this is what brings this consciousness and makes this asana-driven, goal-driven, ego-driven thing just fades away. Absolutely. I do think that it is a state. We do grow in the practice and we do change and it is seen more in the beginning, I think as well. It's that challenge too. Oh, I've seen other people do it. I want to try it. And this just, it's eager. It's a lot of eagerness. And that's like such a beautiful element as well. But when it does shift into that ego-driven, as you mentioned too, I don't know if I can teach yoga until I do a handstand. Oh man, oh, those are so hard to feel that way because we also know it's like that's not yoga and that's not serving us and it's not something we need to bring to the mat and bring to our practice. But it's hard too. We're all so human. And I have to admit to all of our listeners, I'm by no means perfect. I am definitely a hypocrite in saying this with things that ebb and flow in my life and ebb and flow in my practice. But it's just something to be mindful of. I think that's what Sola and I are saying. 
Yes, and I also find that students come through the door expecting you to be like a contortionist. And it's important to not get sucked into that mindset as well as educating people on the topic when they come to your classes. It's okay to tell someone, oh, I cannot do that pose. It's not in my practice or my practice isn't there yet or my anatomy doesn't allow me to do it. That's also a reality. Oh, that's a huge reality. I love that you said that because our anatomy is just what we're born with. It's not something we can change, like the bone structure. And there's amazing yoga teachers out there who have done actual bone studies on how our bones connect and rotate. And because we're not just like a stick figure, our, there's this kind of spiraling motion, you know, of how two bones will connect cartilage and all the juicy, fun stuff that goes along with our skeletal system. But it's just, you got to accept like there's some things that we're not meant for your body. And that is not wrong at all. That's not a problem. That's not something you can solve. That's actually a lesson or something just that you discover, that you can be aware of, and that can offer you more insight into your own body. Yes. And it's a very important knowledge because you can take that knowledge to and apply it to other exercises that you do in your life or knowing yourself, knowing your limits and accepting it. This is a concept that you can apply to other things in life. Maybe it can be a nice practice to do it at the mat and then reflect it to your life and know when to stop pushing. For example, when you're tired, when you're taking too many tasks, I think yoga is a great metaphor for life. And this is one of those little things. Yoga is a great metaphor for life. Wow. I want to hear you say more about that just because it it feels so quotable and juicy to me. (laughs) I usually say it when my private students are struggling in a stretch. They want to get out of the pose and especially when we're doing yin. And I go, yoga is a great metaphor for life. You just sometimes need to breathe in and try to soften and be flexible and go with it. And this is one of those moments. (laughs) Also, it really does apply to many other things. For example, for me, I always had body image issues growing up. And I didn't, I wasn't a very physical person. And I didn't feel confident in my physical abilities. And after I started practicing yoga, and seeing how my body is able to make progress in poses, and in terms of flexibility or strength, I started to find this sort of confidence that I could apply to other things in life and I really think that how a person approaches to their yoga practice everything happening on their mats the failures the falls patience with the progress and everything it really does reflect to life it really does reflect how a person approaches challenges and everything in life so finding that sort of patience in a challenging pose or being able to stay in that warrior two for five breaths and thriving in the challenge of that. I think these are all things that we can reflect to our personal lives, other things we do in life. So yoga is a great metaphor for life. I'm so glad you shared that. And I hope our listeners are going to have this huge spark of curiosity. Ooh, how is yoga a metaphor for my life? Or what is yoga reflecting? Because I love thinking about yoga as a mirror. And the more that you kind of practice and you progress in, in some direction, and it's not linear at all, but you're able to think, okay, if am I bringing my 
ego onto the mat today? Or am I bringing my fear or my anger? Or am I pushing in this way? Or am I only doing yin right now because I'm just drained? And what does that mean? And just being curious about what's calling to you. And I find that really comes to be most during personal practice. Exactly. Yeah. So I would also love to hear, Sula, about yoga in Cyprus. I know you're in Northern Cyprus as well. And for some of our listeners, maybe they're really unfamiliar with what has gone on in the past and how Cyprus is divided. So would you be willing to share more about yoga in Cyprus and what also is going on right now in your country and how is it feeling and maybe a little bit of a history lesson for those of our listeners who aren't sure at all what I'm talking about. (laughs) Sure. And without going deep in politics, because this is a very political subject, in the island of Cyprus, there has been a separation in 1974 when Turkey came on the island and occupied a part of it. Prior to that, there were Greek-speaking Cypriots and Turkish-speaking Cypriots living on the island. And After Turkey arrived, there was a partition and Turkish-speaking Cypriots moved to the north of the island and Greek-speaking Cypriots moved to the south of the island. So this has been the situation since 1974. It's a long, long time. And we have borders separating the two administrations. Greek-speaking Cyprus, Republic of Cyprus, is part of the EU and where we live. Uh, Northern Cyprus is there to be under occupation of Turkey. So I live in Nicosia, the capital of the island, and it is the only remaining capital in the world that's divided in two halves. Even the old city, we have a walled city in the center from the Middle Ages, and even that is divided. Up until 2002, when I was a little child, it wasn't possible to cross the border. So there was no communication, no contact between the two communities of Cyprus. But right now, We are able to cross the borders very easily just by showing an identity card. And we are building relationships, trust and communication between the two communities. And I'm really hopeful for the future that we are going to have a better relationship. And in the meanwhile, I can safely say that yoga world is a place where you can still connect and communicate. We do sometimes joint events. It is possible for a Turkish-speaking yoga teacher to go and teach in yoga festivals, in the Greek-speaking part, in the Republic of Cyprus, and vice versa. So it's another aspect of yoga that I really like, that it brings people together no matter what. Um, And you can definitely see that in Cyprus. What I love that you said, Sula, is that yoga brings people together no matter what. And I love hearing that it's this kind of space where you can go into studios and hopefully you have students who are Turkish Cypriots or Greek Cypriots and everyone can come together and practice or have a community that feels like outside of anything that's going on in politically or externally. Is that kind of how I'm hearing it? Is that correct? Yes, exactly. And yeah, this is the beauty of yoga. People put politics aside, people put differences aside, and it brings unity. At the core of yoga, the word itself, yuj, the root of yoga, the Sanskrit word yuj, means to yoke, so to bring two things together. Isn't that amazing? That's exactly what I was thinking when I said it brings out the unity. (laughs) 
Yes. Oh, so I guess it's the perfect opportunity then. I ask every guest on the show, what is your definition of yoga? I know we do have the sutras and texts and there's so many different ways to express that. But for you, what is your definition of yoga? Yoga is a tool for exploring the world, exploring myself and exploring how it all connects together. I love that you said yoga is a tool for exploring the world too, because that's definitely what I try to do on this podcast is like explore the world of yoga (laughs) with everyone around the world. Like I love that when you get to know yoga and you sink your teeth in and you, you become curious and open, it does open the whole world to you. This is so true. This is what I experienced with yoga. It brought so many different people to my life from all around the world. And it all somehow connected together through yoga. And I'm living in an unrecognized country on an island, on a tiny part of an island. And somehow I get to meet a lot of people from all around the world, change experiences, conversation, thoughts, and it's all thanks to yoga. I feel really blessed. Me too. I definitely feel blessed with how it's it just expanded everything. The more that you practice and you reach out or you just are doing yoga, people magically show up. People come into your life. And usually if someone's practicing yoga and you meet someone else who's practicing yoga, no matter what, you have something in common. And you maybe have a similar, maybe just a little similar, just even if it's a sliver, but a perspective on the world of being open, receptive, curious, kind. I love that about yoga. I think it has great principles and values, and it just makes you more curious about yourself and others. Yes, and not to be biased, but I think yoga people are the kindest, most compassionate people. (laughs) Yeah, not to be biased, but... (laughs) Not to be biased. No, no, no one would think that. No, (laughs) but I would love to ask you too. I'm sure some people who've listened to this podcast want to know more about you and want to reach out or have a question. And I will link your social media. I know you Instagram, YouTube, and your website here in the show notes, wherever anyone can find or wherever anyone listens to podcasts, they can just open the show notes and click the links. It'll also be on my website, wildyogatribe.com slash yoga in Cyprus, as well as a transcript you know, is there, are you leading any retreats or are you planning any festivals? Is there anything going on that you want to share that you plan or you do, or do you work at a studio or just anything you'd like to share? We're all ears. I'm not currently planning any retreats, but if there are any yoga teachers who would like to organize retreats in Cyprus, please do contact me. I would gladly help. I am offering only private lessons right now, both in person and online. So if you would like to work with me, if you would like to practice with me, you can contact me through my website, send me a DM on Instagram, and I would be at your service. But most exciting thing happening right now is I am preparing a new venture, which is helping new yoga teachers who are struggling with confidence, who are struggling with sequencing or cueing or theming their classes, who feel like they're not ready to teach it. I want to help new yoga teachers find their voice and start teaching impactful yoga classes with ease and comfort. I am a huge believer of intuitively teaching. 
especially when you're teaching 20 hours a week, it's impossible to put down long hours into preparation of each class sequence or go over the cues for each class. And I see a lot of people are spending so much time just trying to get the perfect sequence and memorize it. And I see a lot of new teachers asking on Facebook groups how to memorize their sequences. And I feel like it's a waste of their precious energy. And I want to help people to find their own voice and be able to come in front of a class and say, hi, students, namaste. What do you need today? What shall we do in this class? And confidently deliver that to their students. So this is what I am planning on doing. I love the term intuitive teaching. I don't think I've actually heard it before, but that's definitely more my style as well. (laughs) Oh, you made it up. Good. Credit to Silla. Out of call, credit goes to you. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It's definitely more my style of teaching though as well, where I love kind of feeling the energy of the room and feeling kind of what people need, but also asking that question. Just as you said, you walk into the room and say, what hurts? What do we need to work on? Does someone have tight hips or a really sore neck? What do they need? How can we make classes for our students? It's for the students, like you said. For, we, we deliver the class for the students. So when we are just home and focusing on creating the perfect class, we're not really sure how that's going to serve the person who walks in the door, especially with group classes. I think that's a challenge because sometimes you spend hours preparing a flow, preparing the cues, and then you show up there and four out of eight people have, I don't know, a hip injury that prevent them from doing half of your sequence and what then? So it's important to be able to just show up and prepare something for the needs of the students to deliver them a practice for them rather than a practice to feel good about our own teaching abilities. Perfect. Well said. Thank you so much, Salat, for joining me on the show today. It has been such a joy to be with you. Thank you so much for inviting me, Lily. It was so much pleasure to be part of this and to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. My conversation with Sula Adekal, a yoga teacher from Cyprus, was so gorgeous as we took this deep dive into how yoga is a great metaphor for life. I hope that this conversation made you curious about what yoga means to you and how yoga can reflect your life itself. If you're looking to tune into a podcast episode that's all about not being asana-driven, goal-driven, or ego-driven in your practice, then this is the conversation for you. Thank you for listening to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. Be well. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you feel called, please share this episode with someone who you think could benefit from it. Leaving a review would also be so appreciated. I also hope you can join me online on my website, wildyogatribe.com or on social media. I would love to get to know you better. I would love to share with you and to hear your thoughts. Send me a DM, send me a note, get in touch. It would be great to hear from you. And as always, be well, dear one, be well.